Reading that again, Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And using that verse of Scripture, and really it's, a, it's quite a statement. I would like to preach on the thought of a message living in the now. And you know, have you ever asked someone a question, where do you live? Have you ever asked that? You meet someone, hey, where do you live? Well, I'm not talking so much about geographically, but have you ever met someone that they live in the past? (laughs) Have you ever met that guy that wears his letter jacket from high school, but he's not in high school anymore? You talk to people about when they were in, you know, uh, uh, this or that, but it was, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. And, and, but where do you live? And there's other people that uh, they live in the future. You know, when I, when I get to this age, when my kids graduate from high school or my kids get out of college, what is that? That's living in the future. Now, having hopes for the future, that's good. Learning lessons from the past, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> But where do you live? Now, I'd like to propose something to you today that we would live in the now. Have you ever seen Kung Fu Panda? Okay. I know that I'm not going to quote Shakespeare right now, but Kung Fu Panda, but I have a seven-year-old, so that's my excuse. Okay. Before I had my seven-year-old, I think I had already watched the movie. Okay. (laughs) Master Uguay was a turtle, right? But he was this Kung Fu master. And Master Ugwe said in his counseling session to Poe, who's the Kung Fu Panda, he said, the past is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That's why it is called the present. You know that the Bible speaks about living in The now. And you know that some people might hope when I get to heaven, this isn't going to happen. And when I get to this place, you know, praise God for that. But what can God give me now? So I want to look at three things that God has for us living in the now. The Bible says there is therefore now no condemnation. I remember when I heard a preacher preach this 25 years ago. And this Statement from the word of God was something I had never heard before. What do you mean now? There is therefore now. I mean, I don't have to be condemned by the devil now. I don't have to live under the condemnation of sin now. First of all is the now of freedom. Let me tell you, and today, and really, God laid this on our heart because I want to share this with you so that you'd be more confident of your place in God. And what that entitles you to do in life. And a lot of times we get kind of, we get hemmed up in maybe something we did before. Maybe because we don't drive the right kind of car or wear the right kind of shoes or have the right model iPhone. There's a new one coming out, what, like every six months or something? Mine is an old iPhone. I mean, people would probably mock it. It's not a doorstop yet, but it still works. But you know that uh, we, we live under this kind of condemnation that we're not good enough. And really, the devil plays on that. But the Bible says in 1 John chapter 4, 
and verse 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. You know, we're going to stand before God one day. All of us are going to stand before God. But the Bible says that Christians can have boldness in the day of judgment. Because the Bible says, because as he is, who? God. So are we in this world. He said that you can have a standing with God before you get to heaven. And that standing is wrapped up in Jesus Christ. The Bible said the freedom of now, and I'm sharing this first because this, the next two points, hinge on Jesus. The Bible said in John chapter 8 and verse 36, if the Son, Jesus, Jesus the Christ, therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. You know, isn't that true, though, that we need sometimes to get free from the pain of the past? Maybe something that you did to someone or something that someone did to you. Uh, There was a lady that uh, she cut me off. We were driving. My daughter and I were driving. I was driving. My daughter was in the back seat. That's the way that works. Okay. So we were driving and this lady just came over. uh, from our left and, and I had to, I, had to uh, I was getting over to the left and I had to jerk the car back into the right lane and she continued to come into our lane and then she continued to go off to the next lane to the right and I sped up to her and I honked to try to get her attention she wasn't mad she didn't give me the, the I love you one time you know finger gesture uh, she was on her phone and she was looking straight ahead as if she was zoned out. She wasn't living in the now. She was somewhere else on the cell phone. She had no idea that she cut me off. And so I I chose it as a teaching moment to my daughter. I said, you know, honey, there's people that might, when you drive, there's people that might do something to you, but they don't even know they did it. This lady wasn't, she just wasn't paying attention. She had no idea that she almost ran me off the road. And I said, honey, you can be angry at someone that cuts you off, but that's not going to help you get back at them because you see they're going down the road of life and they don't even know that they're living rent free in your head. You know, sometimes we need to put some people out of our apartment. Okay. We need to put some people out of our house. Like uh, mm -mm, uh, this isn't a free rent place. You just need to get out. We need to be free from that and say, well, preacher, but they really meant it and they did it for me. But you know what? God can set me free even they did it on purpose because the Bible said if God's not going to condemn me, I'm not going to let any other man-made condemnation stick to my life. The Bible said this is the day which the Lord hath made. What are we going to do? Man, I'm going to make a choice to rejoice and be glad in it. Master Ugwe said it was the present was a gift, but you know what? Master Ugwe was right, and that God gives us this opportunity to live free. You know, the Bible says that let the saints shout upon their beds. I said, preacher, but I don't have a posturopedic mattress. But you know what? Thank God for the bed that you do have. I remember when I came to Jacksonville and I was sleeping on the ground. Thank God there was a carpet, okay? Like, woohoo! It's a big deal, right? It means a lot if it's just you sleeping on the hard floor. And you know, well, yeah, but preacher, when we were kids, we used to sleep on the floor. Yeah, when we were kids. <laughs> when you're an adult, your back doesn't like the hard floor, okay? Mine doesn't. 
And so I prayed, God, God, can I have a bed? Now I had a little bit of money, but not a lot. You know, I just moved to Jacksonville and I had a day job. And you know what happened? I think it was the next day. This man drove up in his pickup truck with a bed in the back of his pickup truck. And he said, anyone want a bed? And I was like, me. <laughs> said, preacher, what kind of bed? It wasn't a twin. It wasn't a queen. It was, I think, a full size bed because it had belonged like to his grandson or something like that. But I was like, I don't care. It's not on the ground. And we said, preacher, what is that? Man, this is the day that the Lord has made. He said, preacher, I could have had a bad attitude, but you know what? Why don't you just pray? If you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ, if there's no condemnation between you and God, man, ask. And the Bible said what? Ye shall receive. And if that condemnation's not there, God gives you a freedom to ask him of something. The Bible says that, behold, now is the day of salvation. If things aren't right with God, brethren, it's only a prayer way. Say, well, so preacher, what can I do to make myself justified before God? Nothing except accepting what he did on the cross and the blood that he shed and that God wipes away all that condemnation. Brethren, this isn't church service stuff. This is just living. It's awesome. And uh, I remember when I came down to Jacksonville, I was talking, or was before this, in Orlando in 2000, I was talking to my grandpa, and he said, who do you know down there? And I'm like, nobody. And he's like, do you have a job down there? And I don't think I had a job. I had like nothing. And he's like, you're, you're going down there with nothing? And you know, it's hard to understand, but you know, when you have God in your life, one of the things I've understood, you know, money's good, okay? If someone tells you money's not important, they're either insincere or ignorant. Okay, money is important, okay? But God's the most important thing. And God kept us down there in Orlando. I don't know how many jobs that I had, but I quit one and didn't work out with my schedule. And then I got another one and didn't pay anything. And then I got another one. But you know, God is faithful. God is a faithful God. And I remember just serving God, being tired, but having this, this kind of freedom that, man, I'm just working for God and God's taking care of things because he gives us the now of freedom. You know that I don't know if you're experiencing that in your life, but let me tell you, that's the first thing God wants you to have is freedom. And maybe, you know, maybe it's something that you kind of even need to breathe as a prayer. You know, maybe before you go, wait, I'm free from sin. Sin doesn't have dominion over me. And if, if, if it does, if you're a Christian, it's a lie. But if you haven't submitted your life to Jesus Christ, that's all you've got to do. And when you submit your life to Jesus Christ, the power of sin just has to yield to the power of Jesus. Because the Bible said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are not in the church, not reading their Bible, but in Christ Jesus. And I remember when I, I gave my life to Jesus Christ, I didn't know what happened except something did. So I've told this and my wife's like, don't keep telling this because it involves just real living. I got saved in the military. And I went, I went home and I threw out all my picture books. Oh, you had picture books? Yeah, grown men have picture books. <laughs> so uh, I, had a, I had a bunch of picture books like under my bed in my room. Say, so preacher, I just lost all respect for you. Look, when I got saved, I was a sinner. I had a filthy mouth. I was in the Marine Corps, but I didn't know what happened at the church service. I invited Christ into my life. I didn't sign the church book. I don't even know what year I got saved. I don't remember. 
I don't remember. I didn't know you were supposed to write it down. Like, oh, I got saved on this day and this year. Like, I have no idea. But I just know that I got saved because I do remember. What did the preacher preach? I don't remember. What was the scripture reference? I don't remember. Well, what happened? Let me tell you what happened. I got the now of freedom. I went back to my barracks room. And the things that weren't like Jesus began to leave my barracks room. I didn't sell them. I didn't give them to the, to the other. I just knew they were trash. And I put them where they needed to go. And nobody told me. I didn't ask the pastor that there was a Jesus in my life. And he gave me this feeling. And brethren, there is nothing like the feeling of freedom in Jesus Christ. Once you have tasted that, you don't want to go back to the other things of this world. They don't compare. It's the now of freedom. And you know, if, if you're in a Christian life and you ever kind of feel that freedom go away, check yourself and say, preacher, why, or God, why is this freedom going away in my life? Why is this peace not in my life? And go back and get right back to where the presence of God is and say, Jesus, I want to feel that freedom again in my life, that no condemnation, because that's the now of freedom that God offers us, living in the now. You know, this man approached a grocery, you know, one of those uh, convenience stores, 24 hours? said, open 24 hours. And so the man's walking up and there's a guy locking the door of the 24-hour convenience store. And the customer said, hey, what are you doing? He said, I'm locking up. And he said, it says 24 hours, open 24 hours. And the guy locks the door and he said, yeah, but not in a row. (laughs) You see, the next thing is the now of direction. God doesn't save us to sit still. You know, it seems like all the... You know, your first year of your life, what do your parents try to get you to do? That's the second to the 18th year. First year of your life, stand, talk, take a step, take a first step. And they do, they try to get you to talk, say mama, dada. That's the first year of life. What happens in the second year all the way to the 18th year? Sit down and be quiet. But you see that God is not like that. He does not want us to get saved, to give our life to Him, and then come to church, sit down, be quiet. No, the Bible says He gives us the now of direction. The Bible says who walk after the Spirit. You know that God begins to get your life and it begins to have movement in Jesus Christ? That is the purpose of God. That God will take you any way you are, but he loves you just too much to leave you the way you are. God will take you in any condition. Have you ever read that? You know, we'll buy a car in any condition. You know, they see these signs. We buy houses, any condition. You know, the God's the same way. God will take you any way that you are. But as soon as you come to him, he begins to mold you and make you like the potter molds the clay. Because God wants to mold you into his image. God begins to direct your life. I don't know if you ever found that when you were a Christian, you start to you feel your conscience kind of amplify and you try to go do something you used to do and the Holy Ghost like, uh-uh. You're like, where's that from? I never felt that before. And then you do something you're supposed to do and the Holy Ghost is like, mm-hmm. And you're not you used to try to do something else, and you're like, uh-uh. 
And you know what? It wasn't there before. It's like, why is it bothering me now? Because you invited Christ into your life. And now I have this direction that the steps of a good man, a good woman, a good teenager, they're ordered by the Lord. And the Bible says that God begins to direct your steps when we lean not onto our own understanding, but in all of our ways we do what? Acknowledge Him. We live in the now. Say, God, what do you want me to do? And what, you know what God will do? He'll begin to direct your path. God will begin to direct your path. You know, God's better than a GPS. Have you ever, remember those Garmins, those old Tom Toms, and before cell phones had it, and you'd make a wrong turn, and it would say, make a legal U-turn, you know. And it would tell you to turn around and go find it. It would tell you you're going the wrong way. You know, God's the same way. The Spirit of God, if, we're, if we get off road and we kind of, I mean, I, my old one used to take me like into the water and stuff like that. It was like wild. <laughs> it would also take me, it would glitchy and it would just take you like around the block and you'd have to turn it off and turn it on again. Look, the Spirit of God doesn't get lost, okay? But the Bible says that there aren't many walks of life. There's two. There's two walks of life. There's people that live their life according to the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God leading them. Brethren, it's an awesome way to live. And then there's people that just live after the flesh. What's that? Uh, if I want to do it, I do it. Brethren, that's how I used to live before I became a Christian. Now, I wouldn't do it in front of everybody else. I'd wait till the lights got kind of dark or I'd go do it on Saturday night and get my stamp and get in there. But you know, when I got saved, the Bible says that I can lift up holy hands without my club stamps on them. And I'm thankful that, you know, God will do that. And my hands don't smell like the club anymore. They used to. But you know what? God made a difference in me. God was the one that led me out of it. It wasn't the preacher. It wasn't the church I went to. But I began to walk after the Spirit. Let me tell you, when you begin to have that walk of God and living in the now, notice after the Bible says in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. It said, though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. You know that God holds his people up. The reason we don't fall on our face is because God gives you grace. You ever seen your little kid about to fall and you grab them right before they like take a nosedive into the corner of a, a table. I have a granite tabletop. And when my daughter was growing up, her head would get closer and closer and she'd be running around, you know, two and three years old, and I would put my hand on the corner of the tabletop so she wouldn't bean it with her forehead. I think she got it later, one, one time when I wasn't watching. But God does that. He protects corners. And if we're getting ready to fall, he reaches down and grabs us. Remember when Peter began to sink and he cried, Lord, save me. And immediately, what did Jesus do? He stretched forth his hand. He didn't let Peter sink because God was there to direct his steps, even when he was leaving footprints on the water. The Bible says God gives us the now of direction. The now of direction. You know, life can be intense sometimes. I know that. Maybe you had an intense day. You know, Christians don't argue, right? They have intense fellowship. It's like, oh, my, my wife and I were having intense fellowship. Or like my daughter said, you know, you need to be nice to mommy, okay? So, and uh, when my wife and I have a disagreement, my daughter usually takes my wife's side, but that's okay. But you know what? I show my daughter, I go and I'll apologize and I'll explain, you know what? 
Right is right because it's right. And sometimes if you're wrong, what are you going to do? Go from intense to intentional. You see, when God gives us the direction of our lives, he wants our life to be intentional. We want our life to have a reason and a purpose. Because the Spirit of God will begin to to direct your life, and so your life begins to grow and have meaning. And it might be new relationships with some and old relationships. Like I said, those might have to get out of the apartment, right, if they're living rent-free. Because the last thing God wants you to have living in the now is the now of opportunity. Opportunity. You know, see, God is dealing with hearts everywhere. As he dealt with your heart and my heart, he's dealing with other people's hearts. There was a time in uh, the book of Acts when Paul, the apostle, he had a vision and it was a man of Macedonia. And what did he say? Come over and help us. They were, they were starving and they were, they were starving and they had a desire for God. And so before Paul even got there, God was directing Paul's steps. But God was giving him an opportunity that he didn't even know about. But you know what? God shows us in his word that God is dealing with people that we don't even know. You know, God might be dealing with someone here. I don't even know it. But God's been dealing with your heart about something. Well, there's an opportunity that God gives us. The Bible says in Acts chapter 10, there was a certain man in Caesarea. He was a, court, he was a, a centurion and God began to deal with his heart. And he said, call for Peter. And so Peter, Peter was praying. And God was letting down this great sheep. Remember that account? And there were all these four-footed beasts. And this voice said, rise, Peter, kill, eat. And Peter said, uh-uh, I'm not. The Jews were under a dietary restriction, so they couldn't, they couldn't have all that stuff. He said, not so, Lord. I haven't eaten anything unclean. And the sheep did it three times, right? Came up and down. And then it said, the Lord spoke and said, What God hath cleansed, call not thou common. And see, God was preparing Peter. He was directing. Peter had been saved, but God was starting to direct his life that this gospel wasn't just for the Jews. That this gospel was for everybody. And see, the Jews thought that they were the only ones that were going to get saved. But, you know, sometimes God needs to break our barriers down. And so then three men came to the door and he was told, three men seek thee, Peter. And Peter began to have that light go on and say, oh, wait a second. And he said, so I went with them, nothing doubting. You know that when we're going to be an instrument for God, you know that the time is now. The direction God's going to use by the Spirit of God will show us an opportunity to get someone else free from that condemnation of sin. You know, that if sister comes to the piano, I, I remember hearing this awesome testimony on the radio. And it was of a lady that she had gone out. I don't know if she said clubbing. I don't remember the words. It was, it was on the radio, okay? So she went out partying. She wasn't really walking with God at the time. And And then she was just driving around. She drove around her car and then finally just in the dark, she just found an empty parking lot and she was just, you know, thinking about life. And, you know, people party all night long, right? So she was there and the sun started to come up and she said that other cars began to come into the parking lot and she was dressed for the club, okay? 
And then she looked around and she realized she was in a church parking lot. So she got out of her car and she walked up the steps and the pastor was there at the door. And from what I understand, this is a true story, okay? And there she is in her, you know, nightclub attire. What did the pastor do? Thank God. (laughs) The pastor was living in the now. He opened up his arms and he said, welcome home. Welcome home. But with heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking around. And she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. And she got out of that condemnation of sin, that condemnation of the devil, the condemnation of the past, the condemnation of of maybe other voices in your life. Maybe when you were growing up, you were told something that you were a certain way, that you would never make it. Someone put some of the wrong words in you. But let me tell you, God said, but you're washed, but you're sanctified, but you're justified, that you're accepted in the beloved. God wants to call you brethren. The Bible says you're joint heirs with Christ. You see, don't be defined what the world says about you. Maybe even what some of your family members said about you, but what the word of God says about you. There is therefore now no condemnation.